Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. I'm Richard Porter. And I'm Johnny Smith. And this is Smith & Sniff, a podcast in which two friends talk about cars and sometimes raving. Hey, um, I, f- I forgot to tell you this. I went, I went down um, a bit of a wormhole with old computer games. Yeah. Uh, like 8-bit ones I grew up with in the 80s and the, maybe the early 90s. And someone on on because uh, I made a, I did a video for Car Pervert involving one of them, and weirdly, someone on Twitter went, "Oh, you 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 must remember the the last V eight Commodore sixty four game." I went, "What?" He was like, "Yeah, it was called the Last V eight. It was clearly a rip off of Mad Max." Oh, when you said Last V eight Commodore, I thought immediately Holden, which I suppose is oh yeah same. yeah yeah no, but I'm gonna it's weird because. The last V8 was actually the name of the game on a on a Commodore 64. Hang on, did you have a Commodore 64 then? You're damn right I had one. Although I was quite late to the 64 game, a couple of my mates had them and I really longed for one and I didn't get one until... I, I think I didn't get one until they were being phased out. But I didn't care because I still to this day think it's... Um, in fact, I read somewhere, I think it's the most successful home computer of all time. What? Um yeah. Again, I went down another wormhole and someone in about um, had written a piece on, it might have been Jalopnik, where they went into a garage to have like an emissions check and a brake check on their car. Yeah. And the garage back in 2016, 2017 was still using a Commodore 64 to check the balance of drive shafts. No. Or something like that. And there's a picture. Yeah, I will forward it to you, the link. There's a picture of this Commodore 64 absolutely thick with oil and dirt sitting on a bench. And it apparently it still is used to balance either drive shafts or um, prop shaft. I can't remember what. But yeah, it still uses this, a software that's absolutely fine for checking the tolerances of, of something like that. And it made me think, I love the Commodore 64. When Calvin Harris got really big... Yeah, first time around, I guess um, acceptable in the eighties and all that sort of was stuff. His, was, album, yes. I think he was still making music off an old Amiga that was miles out of date, but it was just it's what he had and it's the software he had and and it was all very sort of homespun in your bedroom kind of music making. And, yeah, and he he achieved huge success with it, and I think he carried on. Well, I think except acceptable in the eighties definitely had um, that kind of eight bit. Or sixteen-bit music vibe, yeah, which I do really like. I think, I mean, he's he's incredible in his own right. I'm a bit upset that he lives in LA. I still think he should live in Scotland, but it's not up to me. It's not up to me. <laughs> but he's one of those people who he's what what would be known in the industry as doing an Elon Musk. That once he got rich, he also suddenly got really pumped and more handsome. Magically, D- did Elon do that? I don't. Oh yeah, have you not seen pictures of Elon Musk when he when he was doing PayPal? He's got no. thinning hair and he's a total dweeb. No, I I haven't checked um, images of the Musk. I uh... <laughs> well, after this, do Musk up um, the other one? I've ta- I think I've talked to you about this before, but um, 
the other person who uses an out of date or used way after they they were obsolete used a, a, an old 80s computer was ken morse the rostrum cameraman that does all rostrum camera work for tv documentaries or did i don't yeah. know if he's still alive and i went to his studio once and he uh, his he had a sort of um rig that did all the rostrum work so you know you imagine you've got your your photo of for a documentary it's of like four soldiers from the great war and you want to sort of gently drift across them and then zoom in on the last man in the line and he had this sort of automated rig that would do all that and it was run by a bbc model b what and this was in the turn of the century this is about 2000 and he was still using a bbc micro yeah because someone wow. had built it for him in the 80s. Talk about acceptable in the 80s. <laughs> it's someone acceptable had built it for in the 80s. In about 1984, they'd made this for him, and he went, well, it, it still works fine, so why would I change it? I had it made for me. You can't buy this software off the shelf. It's very specific to the Rostrum camera world, and not many people do Rostrum cameras. So Ken Morse was, uh, was still plugging away at this uh, with that lovely tappity keyboard. They had very, very... Um very deep keys you know, it's deep. a bit like a car throttle which has a lot of travel you know some cars have a very short throttle and some have a very deep throttle like a tvr do you remember tvr tvrs were incredibly were... long that was their traction control wasn't it it was just let's try and meter out the power of it, it. <laughs> so like yeah you had to be better you you could you could drive your tvr for maybe a year and find more throttle just well, I, oh, I, mean, I found a bit uh, more throttle. I didn't realise it, it was yeah. down there. <laughs> it's like, it's like digging, dig, digging for gold, <laughs> digging for throttle trouble. <laughs> I think um, Chris Monkey Harris, uh, who we know, told me this story that he had a mate who was a TVR dealer in their sort of their heyday of the nineties. You know, Griffith Chimera era. Cerber is still my favourite. Yeah. Oh yeah, they were nice looking. They're the cars, still they? one of the best looking British cars of all time, I think. And yeah. it hasn't dated I don't think now. I just absolutely love No. They're, they're still I've never owned though. one. I've never owned a TV Griffith yet. as well. I mean the Griffith is a I think it's a really pretty car. Yeah. Um but yeah the ri- this mate the of- Richard Griffith the Richard Griffith. <laughs> it's a special edition of an extremely fat British actor. <laughs> yeah, it weighs about twice as much as the normal one uh, and runs on sticky buns. Instead of instead of glass fibre, they just made a lead-bodied edition. So Monkey Harris told told me this story about his mate as a TVR dealer and without fail, he'd get these city boys coming in and they'd be looking to trade probably from like an M3 or something or maybe even not even something that high performance they just got their first decent bonus you know they'd be like sort of switching out of a Golf GTI or something into a TVR oh, dangerous. and this guy would take them on a test drive in London I think his test drive route would sort of they'd go onto the A4 and he would encourage them to floor it and multiple times what would happen is these inexperienced city boys would floor it immediately shit their pants at what happened <laughs> with the acceleration of the noise and apparently the common response was they would lift off and put it into neutral what like almost like a defense mechanism <laughs> oh, make it go just away. smack it into neutral <laughs> yeah apparently that's what that's i distinctly remember being told this they would panic so much they would knock it into neutral and then the guy would have to say now if you just want to maybe slot it into third and the clutch out again so we've actually got drive we're, so we're just, just coasting at the moment we are just, just coasting down a major road 
just coasting along. I like getting down to like embarrassing speeds of about 18, 19 miles an hour with yeah. nobody saying it's, anything. <laughs> just, yeah, exactly. Just sort of frozen with white knuckle grip on the wheel. You just hear the idling. It's just idling. Yeah. That was, I remembered this the other day for no reason at all, that when I borrowed a 350, do you remember the 350, T350? I do. I borrowed one. And my girlfriend at the time, that was the car where she, after a while, she went, could you turn the car down now, please? Turn the car down? Yeah. And I went, I can't turn it down. This is the noise it makes. And she just went, I've just had enough of it. Oh, that's that's the sort of TVR spinal tap moment. (laughs) Just turn this car down for fuck's sake. (laughs) Turn it down. Anyway, I was going to say about BBC Model Bs, because we had a BBC Model B because my parents did that thing where they went well now on the one hand obviously the kids want a computer but we can't get one that's flippant and frivolous like a Spectrum or a Commodore yeah let's get one made by the BBC because that'll be educational and so and, and I don't from memory I don't think that the BBC Model B had quite the sort of firepower of uh a 48k spectrum or a or a commodore oh it had the graphics package on a bbc was embarrassing compared to a 64 come on man a different but you know what's weird is that i don't think i knew anyone who had a commodore what? i know you're i know you're like a few years younger than me but i i swear maybe it's a regional thing oh around our neck of the woods it was very much spectrum versus bbc i'm sure of it oh is it hang on is is this like is this like regional wars of um, Ford versus Vauxhall, because down my way in the southwest, when I when I grew up, definitely the Vo- the Vauxhall was the powerhouse over over Ford. We we laughed at fast Fords because we knew that they would go pop. Really? Yeah, absolutely. When we were like you know fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. If you had a GTE Astra, you would laugh at RS Ford owners because you knew a terribly made, b. The, the driver almost certainly had a flat top, and <laughs> when, when when it when flat tops were not not permitted anymore, and or a mullet, yeah, we I remember it being a thing, which is why now I look at fast forwards of that era, of sort of eighties, and just go, just no, I'm sorry, I'm just not into it. It would be Astra Digital Dash GTE would trounce trounce it. Maybe not around corners, but definitely on the straights, off the lights. See, the thing is, often I suppose loyalty to a particular make of car can be influenced by if they're from your area yeah which is why you know Luton is full of Vauxhalls and and Essex and and East London is full of forwards forwards, (laughs) Uh, and Swindon's (laughs) full of Hondas and and what have you in Birmingham there's always a Leyland Austin Rover stronghold but it was a bit weird. From- <laughs> I knew you were going to use the term stronghold. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Well, yeah, anyway, um, the weird thing for me growing up in the Northwest was there was a, there was a bit of a split loyalty. I mean, obviously, the, Bentley was the home team, but no, not everyone's got a Bentley. But the, uh, <laughs> there, there was a there was a factory in Halewood. But then there was a Vauxhall oh, yeah. factory at Ellesmere Port, very close by. Of course, there was. So, Didn't they make the Omegas? No, no. Uh, Omegas always came Didn't from they? Germany. No, they, um, uh, Ellesmere Port oh, okay. made Astras uh, oh, when, I, okay. when I was a kid. Anyway, there were Astras, and um, I guess before that it made Vivas, I think, and Chevettes maybe. I forget now. Viva, Ellesmere Port. Do you know what was weird? I discovered the other day. Halewood was Escorts in the 80s. 
But before that, and I think it, when it was set up in the 60s, it made Anglias. But for a period, Halewood was one of the surprisingly large number of factories that made Capris. Oh, and you sort of okay. think the Capri's are kind of niche car compared to a Cortina or an Escort, but the Capri yeah. was a right tart. They, they made them all over the shop. They made them in Germany. They made them in Halewoods. I think they might have made them in Dagenham. I forget now. I, I, was, I was looking this up and I was like, what? They, they sold a lot of Capri's, though. Yeah, I suppose so. But what a strangely peripatetic production history it had. I, um... I don't think I... I don't know what my local car factory was growing up in the southwest. We didn't have many car factories, did we? Well, you would have Honda now, wouldn't you, I guess? You'd be you'd, We'd you'd have it be Honda. Swindon. You would, I think. And there's nothing in Bristol, was there? I mean, Bristol was Filtum. They, they made aeroplane engines. It's not quite the same. Well, and Bristol's. And Bristol's. True. Again, not a not a mass-produced not a um, household <laughs> vehicle. <laughs> yes, when I was growing up, we all had Bristols to show loyalty to the home team. I mean, if you had a Hispano Suiza or, uh, or, or an Alvis, you'd be very much sneered at. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> I'd love to have grown up just to, with just dicking around in Bristols. <laughs> Would have been brilliant. In fact, actually, um, there is a Bristol anecdote which I'd written down to chat about today, which was um, when we used to just regularly buy very cheap cars and back when the um, the yellow paper existed, <clears throat> the, as we've talked about. And my mate, my mate, my good mate Dan, we, we went down to Bristol for a bit of a lads-like long weekend and we always used to just buy a cheap car. We'd we'd what? collect we'd collect together a kitty and we'd go, right, we're gonna buy a cheap car and we're gonna go away for a long weekend. That's what we used to do. We used to do it quite a lot. This is in the bachelor days, Rich. Well yeah. Bachelor days. Halcyon times. And um I remember opening the paper and seeing a Passat GL five short MOT sixty quid runner. And we're like, right. Can I buy it? And then my 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 mate Dan, who has now become his 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 byword, is has become fifty quid or fuck off. That was his <laughs> that was his line. And we were like, I said, I'm going to phone up about it, see if it's for sale. We'll go in there. I reckon we can get it cheaper. And Dan was just like, I'm going to pick up the phone and just say it's fifty quid or fuck off, mate. It's like, well, you can't use the term fuck off and mate together for a start. It's just. It's definitely confusing. It's offensive, for one thing. You're never going to buy a car off someone that you've just told to F off. That's not right. Good afternoon. Yes, uh, my name is Daniel. I'm just uh, telephoning about the car I saw advertised. And I wondered, uh, would you accept an offer? And the, the proposal that I have in mind is 50 quid or fuck off. <laughs> it is. And he just kept saying it. Just say it. Just, Johnny, Just it's 50 quid or fuck off. Anyway, what was great about this was it was still for sale. And we arrived there, and the car on the drive, we looked at it, it had a tow bar, which I thought, okay, well, we can sell the tow bar and probably mm. get our money back. <laughs> but what was even better is the bloke self-haggled, and I don't know if any <laughs> listeners are familiar with the self-haggle. It's just brilliant. The guy had actually forgotten what, what it, or I think he'd forgotten what he'd advertised it for. So we got there. It was a 60-quid car. I was thought, I'm going to try and get it for 50 without using the term that my mate Dan... And I was kept saying to him, do not say it. Do not say fuck off. Do not say 50-quid or fuck off because it's offensive. And we stood on the guy's drive. And he went, all right, lads, he said, uh, here's the keys. Um, I'll go and get the documents. It runs. It's got a short MOT. 
Um, Sorry, just to stop you there, here are the keys, I'll just go and get the documents. Is it a, is it a schoolboy <laughs> error from the off? Well, That's he just wanted car, it. car, isn't it? I mean, he just wanted it, he just wanted it, the poor thing, gone. And actually, I looked round and it was like, this is actually quite good. It was the five-cylinder manual Passat 80s one with the hatchback. Not as good as the estate, but hey, it was 50 quid or fuck off. And the guy said, look, before I go and get the bits and bobs, he said, I'm not going to take a penny under 45 quid. And my mate Dan, my mate Dan looked at me and I looked at him and we both just started biting our lips. It's like, he's immediately self-haggled. You don't need to use the term that you were going to use, the offensive term. 60 quid's clearly out the window. We're straight in at 45. So I just went, look, here's 45 sheets. Go and get the ownership documents. And we all chuckled. And what we did is we drove that car. We did a bit of a tour of Mid Wales in it for a long weekend. And originally we were going to just abuse it. And as we as we drove away and put a few miles on it, we'd obviously phoned up and got some insurance. It was like, this is actually this is actually quite good. And it was. It was brilliant. To the point of the car was only supposed to last for three days and then we would just give it away or, or scrap it or whatever. It was so good. It was still doing the rounds within my mate's circles. Three years later, it was still <laughs> being used by one of us. It was that good. And it tried to kill itself several times, but it was an indestructible car. It was amazing. What year was this? What, that we bought it or yeah, the year yeah. of the car? What year were you able to buy a £45 Passat that lasted three years? Let me think. That would have been, I reckon, about 2001, 2002. So 20 years ago, almost. Even so. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we're getting old, but that doesn't feel that long ago. I can't imagine you can oh, buy a car for that little now or even just, anything like it. It was just brilliant. It was brilliant. And... Dan drove it every day for a while and just kept marvelling at how well it drove. It was so silky. And he bought a caravan to go away for dirty weekends with his then-girlfriend. And because it had a tow bar, it's like, oh, yeah, it's got the bar on it. And because it's a five-pot, it's got lots of torque. A 50-quid per sack towing a a caravan that was UV damaged. (laughs) Like one side of it was hearing aid beige and the other side of it was white, just because it had been sat half in and half out of a storage facility for years. I'm quite fascinated by those cars that get handed round groups of mates. You know what I mean? Where, where, like you're oh, describing it here, it's like you know, uh, one mate sells it to another mate who ends up selling it to another mate. So it's always in your orbit, but with different people because it feels a little bit like one of those people who's been out with more than one of your friends, and you sort of go, "Is this weird? <laughs> is this is this oh, awkward yeah, was, for the people was, who no longer are directly involved?" It was that. It was a bit slaggy. It was. It was the Passat slag. Well, we used to call it the Passander. <laughs> we used to call it the Passander because it was a very, very nice curry that wasn't really offensive to anyone, coupled with the fact that Dan used to really never clean the inside of it. The inside of it got a terrible time. I remember climbing into it once, and there was the remains of a lasagna on a crockery plate <laughs> <laughs> with a knife with a knife and fork in the footwell. And I, I just I craned my head in and went, Dan, what's going on? And he went, oh, yeah, yeah, I finished a shift late. And um, I just, I needed to get somewhere. And I just was, I was finishing some lasagna. And I said, but how long ago was that? And he went, it was about 10 days ago that was. Oh, Dale, come on. I said, seriously, Dan. I just there, had a little bit of lasagna. But it was this great because it had a real knife and fork and a real crockery plate. Yeah, and then it got handed on to 
my mate Ed, who who I've met, Party Boy, who who thrashed it around when he lived in Birmingham, and it was great. Despite the fact that by the time Ed got that car, the Passat had no front end apart from lights and a number plate. What? Um, yeah, because it when it was in Bristol with Dan, I I don't know if I've told you this in a previous episode, but he got he was on a night out on Friday night. He got a call from the police saying, of, um, your car's been involved in an accident. Where are you? And he was like, what? No, it's parked outside my house. And he lived on one of these hills in Bristol. Bristol being the sort of San Francisco of the UK. And um, it, turns out, it turns out the car had just come off its handbrake some, oh. somehow, mysteriously, while it was parked and he hadn't left it in gear. To this day, he now leaves cars in gear for this reason. And it had gone... It had just crept off and gone careering down a hill on its own. The steering lock had kicked in and it had gone into the back of another car and then caused, you know, fire alarms to go off and all sorts of stuff. And and there was no one to be seen. The car was locked, mm. obviously, and there was no one in it. The police were called. So it had tried to kill itself, <laughs> caused a crash without anybody being in it. Dan had to sort out the insurance, but because he felt an, an affiliation to the Passat by this point, it hadn't really damaged it that much. He had put the bumper back into the, the front end of it, so he just said, Johnny, I was, I had to get to work on Sunday. <clears throat> hadn't done any damage to the engine because the radiator sits to the side of the engine in those, like a Audi Quattro. And uh, he said, I just took the bumper off. He said, I just pulled the grill off. And um, I cable tied uh, a new number plate on it. So it just had, I remember it just had a pair of headlights, like some rubbish Christine Stephen King, <laughs> but German. And it, it just had a pair of headlights and a cable tied swinging number plate. And that was it. And there was no other part of the front on it anymore. But it kept going for another like year and a half after that. So this story just reminded me of something, which is it, it's tangentially related because it, it involves hills and Volkswagens. Um, my parents' old neighbour Cyril uh, enjoyed. Was he really a, called Cyril. He was really called Cyril. Cyril he Briggs. Could, bless him. He was never. He was never a young person. He he was he was. Well, he was a gentleman old. of a certain age. Well, he was by the time I knew. I mean, he must have been young once, but I don't know. Cyril was. I, I, Cyril's one of those names where you can never imagine a baby called Cyril. Absolutely no chance. There's no chance that a, a baby was a Cyril because it's not a There's baby's just... name. It is a. It's a gentleman of a certain age's name. Um, well, Cyril enjoyed a, a sporty mainstream car. Uh, him and his wife, <laughs> Jean. Um, yeah. No kids, and uh, Cyril was an architect, so he used to favour a two-door car, and he had a succession of Mantas, and then he moved into Sirocco's. I did not have him down as a Manta guy. No, you wouldn't sort of architect Cyril in the Manta. Yeah, but Mantas, and but before Mantas got a bit colour coded and tarty. I'm talking early '80s Mantas. And the saloons as well, not the hatch ones. Um, so he had some mantas, and then he went into Sirocco's, and he had a very tidy second-generation Sirocco, and his office was in Macclesfield, which is the San Francisco of Cheshire. And he was going <laughs> down one of Macclesfield's many hills when a, ba a bag of shopping <laughs> that he had on the back seat tipped over and some oranges rolled out, 
dropped into the floor. Oh, no, they didn't. Under the driver's seat, and one of the oranges went under the brake pedal and when he went to apply the brakes <laughs> he was unable also famously as we were talking about last week the those Sirocco's didn't uh, have very good brakes anyway and no. he was unable to summon up enough braking pressure <laughs> to <laughs> retard his journey down this hill uh, I think he went across some traffic so it could have been really bad and into a wall so hang on he was in the Sirocco not the Manta at this point yeah this was the Sirocco and he couldn't have couldn't squash the orange he couldn't squ- he couldn't summon up enough he was only a little guy as well he was he was quite small with Cyril Holmes <laughs> he, <laughs> he, he the seat quite far forward well yeah oh yeah yeah no he was he was a really wee fella because Sirocco's were normally driven with the backrest of the seat in the sort of 45 degree rude boy position I, I always remember well that. not if you're a but not 60 something architect from Wilmslow they're not so <laughs> uh, he was very upright very close to the wheel but couldn't summon up enough, <laughs> enough pressure to sort of burst to the squash orange that the was orange. impeding the brake pedal. <laughs> so, yeah, he twat it into a wall. I mean, he was all right. It wasn't super high speed. I think he was able just to, you know, the, the brakes were probably just, the pads were just touching. <laughs> I love that, the pads were just touching. You're almost, you're narrating the story, which hasn't been written. Brilliant. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's how Cyril frigged one of his Sirocco's. Fully, fully wrecked or... Uh, my memory is that it was repaired, so it can't have been that bad. Although, I always feel like in the 80s, cars got repaired a lot more because I suppose there were fewer systems to go off and ruin everything. But uh, They were just easier. They were easier to repair, that, which is why you used to see stuff driving around with odd-coloured wings and things. Oh, is, yeah. I get the impression it was, a, it was just a little bit more mend and make do, even though... Well, that period when every single Mark One Fiesta suddenly had a Mark II tailgate that didn't quite sit right. Yeah, because they were they were available. Yeah, they were available because that was the Mark II was still a current car. It would yep. fit in the aperture because the Mark II was just a heavily facelifted Mark One. But the lower tailgate was quite bulbous, where it had been quite recessed on the Mark One, and they just looked <laughs> stupid and awful. But that's that's anyone who'd ever had a minor was rear it like end. a it was like a person wearing a gum shield. Yeah, <laughs> exactly like they that. Did, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Why so is that sticking out so much? Oh, go, go on for your room. Oh, okay. Go on, go on, there's something wrong with your teeth. Uh, yeah, it's exactly that. Yeah, Fiestas with gum shields was, um, was, was a, I always think, a feature of the sort of late 80s, but it was because of rear-end damage to, um, to Mark I Fiestas. I always associate that era, the sort of the turn of the 90s, with... Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
and I and I again another wormhole I went down the other night. I was explaining to my my two kids, my daughter who's ten and a half, my son who's eight and a half, what what raving was and what the rave era was. How do you start to explain that? I think I, because because a, a couple of weeks back I'd been putting a little bit more prodigy music on. Uh, and 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 my son was like, "Oh, Dad, this is just funfair music. I love it. I love funfair music." <laughs> so he, <laughs> he 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 refer he refers to high energy dance as funfair music, which I think is brilliant because he loves funfairs like I do, and loves a bit of high energy dance. So now my eight year old just refers to yeah, just dance high bpm as just fun fair and i went well the prodigy was like a big band that you know big group uh back in the early 90s which i loved so i've been i've been weaning him onto that on his on his ipod mm-hmm. good but um but yeah the the i i started to listen to a couple of i, I said well raves were like big events some of them were legal some of them were illegal i was a bit young for them in the early 90s but I went to a couple in the mid nineties and um, I said, the great thing was, is people were just really happy and lots of laser lights. People, you know, the DJs were mixing on, on um, twin decks. So he, he understands records, vinyl records, all that stuff. But when I found a couple of videos to show what Fantasia was and what vision was and what all the others, I can't remember some of the names. You realize you looked at the car park and you had a couple of cool, cool people in like, you know, bay window camper van VWs and stuff. But really, there was a lot of chod, a lot, a lot of ra- raver cars were just. It was just ha- hacked up, lashed up chod. You know, maestros, capris. Basically, there were, and there was a lot of seven. I would say a lot of seventies cars because they were about twenty years old, right? Really? Yeah, there was a lot. I, of, I'm surprised at that. Oh, you see, I would, yeah. have, I would have pictured the classic Raver car would be an absolutely bog-standard small hatchback that is precisely seven years old. That seven's way too... Because it's no, been it's bought, way it's like too modern. third-hand. Way too modern. Yeah, but cars, don't, cars didn't last back then, did they? I mean, like, my mum had a Chevette when I was small, and it was a 1977 Chevette, and I swear, by the time that car was three, certainly four years old... It was going rotten. Yeah. And by the time we sold it, which was, I think, in 1983, maybe, so six-year-old car, and it was absolutely... The front wings had holes in them. Were they just flapping like a manta ray's wings? I don't remember it whistling at speed, but I bet it did because it had so many fucking holes in it, like an ocarina. And (laughs) the bloke who bought it actually went... I'm not worried about that because those are coming off straight away. I'm going to put... And he was going to put some massive engine in it and flare the wings and all sorts. Really? Yeah. It's a modifier. Yeah. Um, So it didn't matter. He was going to turn it into a into a, a rally rep yeah it? like a sort of hsr that was, type thing i'm sure that's what he was gonna do that would have been like 19 he's gonna put andrew's heat heat for hire yeah <laughs> stickers and all it the was, 80s rally it was actually russell brooks that we sold it to it was a bit weird he just came by um <laughs> yeah i would have said that's the thing bear in mind cars didn't last i'm amazed there'd be sort of 20 year old cars in a rave car park i would have said yeah there's loads of it just third hand or possibly inherited slash borrowed off parent Nova, Fiesta, maybe Metro, and the signature of all of them 
as they arrived at a rave is absolutely on the back bump stops because there's three possibly four lads in the back oh there's definitely definitely too many people in it it was over and also in the boot the boot had probably a tent just in case but you but you never erected it or another mate um so, some water a person yes yeah. a person um <laughs> I don't know glow sticks one of those really awful horns that you blew into which I can't remember the rave horn I think yeah. that's what it was called well, it was a bit of air and horn wasn't it you'd have an air horn sometimes I would associate yeah yeah I'll clack, yeah and you'd also have a, probably a, a couple of quite big puffer jackets because it did get a bit cold in the early hours of the morning and if you were going to take a break from raving you'd put your Technics slash Kenwood slash <laughs> I don't know X XL XL recordings jacket uh, on, wouldn't you? Which is always black jacket. Perfect. I love it. Technics Kenwood, something like that. Um, and it would always be puffer, but sometimes the sleeves were leatherette. Sometimes the sleeves were leatherette, but the the rest of it was kind of silky polyester, whatever. And that was it. Yeah, but well, there were loads. There were loads in these videos that I, I've I, I've I looked upon. Loads of twenty year old, just shoddy cars and it was great because i really had a moment of going of course a raver was driving around in like a 70s or early mid 80s car with you know a bad sound system be a goodman's it'd be a goodman's um speakers on the on the parcel shelf and always getting stuck and when you when you read some of the i had to screen grab some of the comments because i found them so funny some of the comments were just brilliant people going yeah, not being funny, but like, yeah, Fantasia 92. I still never found out who pushed my Lancia into a ditch. <laughs> Lancia? Yeah. So I was thinking, what would that what? be? I was thinking, would it be a Y10? It's a Y10. That's the Raver's it's Lancia. It's a Y10. It's definitely it's a, a Y10. It's a Y10 Fire. Yeah. Or uh, that was always the, the, the sort of 80s small Lancia that nobody cares yeah. about. No, I'm, I'm telling so, you now, that is without question... That the only Lancia for a, a Raver is a white head. I just, I don't you know. An old Beta, no. No, too cool. A, a, too cool. A, a, a Delta, no. I, I'm just not buying it. And I just, and there was so, honestly, there was so many of them. So many references to like, um, I stayed on at Fantasia for an extra day because me and my mates couldn't find my car. An extra day. <laughs> it was just brilliant. Just don't know where the, the car was. What did they do? Just stand in the same spot and hope it would come back like a dog. Honestly, it was. But of course, they're just walking around the fields and the music was probably still going a bit. And you're like, yeah, well, let's just stay on a bit. And it was. It was <laughs> I mean, honestly, the, the 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 comments just keep on giving. It uh, here's one. Took me and the lads two hours to find my Metro Turbo. Lol. Happy days. Bring it on. Strange shit went down. Shamrocks burgers. Shamrocks and burgers. <laughs> and, and I'm still married to the bird that puked in my Astra. Brilliant. There you go. <laughs> oh, what a modern fable of love. I mean, who needs Tinder when you just go to a rave and- with an Astra? I used to know a guy who was a bit of a raver, a bit of a soft raver, because I think he was a sort of, you know, bit of a posh boy. And he had a, a Mark II Golf that he'd inherited from his mum. And That's a good rave car. Yeah, yeah, it is actually, because it was like, it, this was in the early 90s, so it's already obsolete, but it was a good, good rave car for a number of reasons. Spacious, you can get probably about six mates in it for one thing. But he was once on his way back from a rave in Liverpool, late at night and he fell asleep at the wheel oh gosh and he woke up 
he was woken up by sort of bumping and bouncing, which was his Mark II Golf just driving across a field. Like he got lucky. Oh. Somehow it went through, I don't know if it went through a hedge or it was like it was a clear patch on some country road or so but it just oh. yeah he had the absolute touch of it it just went cleanly off the road and carried on driving across a field but then, really yeah and even wow. to the point where he was then able to just turn around it must have been grass i guess i mean if he, you know imagine if it was muddy and he just his car had sunk but imagine just, if it was plowed he just kind fresh. of he turned around and just picked his way back to the road and drove home but it's like you know you could have died i know a good rave car a k10 micra first generation nissan micra oh uh they were yes. because the one liter 16 valve so when you chip in for petrol with your mates petrol costs nothing no that was no they, not 16 valve my friend oh no sorry be an eight, an eight valve but it? i was i think a k11 might be quite a good rave car as well k11's probably one of my favorite cars of all time just because it's it's the cockroach that cannot be killed it's brilliant but it's the ultimate takeaway delivery car as well in the yeah. United Kingdom. <laughs> the bubble, the bubble shaped Nissan Micra. It can't be killed. I think I'm going to just float this one. I think your classic rave era, so late eighties, very late eighties, just tipping into the nineties. Yeah, yeah. That's the era, and the car, a quintessential raver car at that point, sitting on its back bump stops, with six lads in it is a light yellow Nova SR on the three-spoke oh. alloys with the two-tone Oh, okay. Paint. I remember the SR, and I remember that colour. I know the colour you mean. It's I'm a slightly milky I, yellow. It is milky. It is buttermilky. But yellow, as um, we established last week, is the quintessential rave colour for a car. Uh, it is a good rave. I mean, like, the DJ would turn up in an E36 BMW M3, Yellow. And you'd be like, oh, this DJ's doing all right. You know, <laughs> Groove, Groove, Groove Riders in his E36. But um, I think that would be okay in about 92. Mm-hmm. But in, but Nova SR in 89 seems a bit... Yeah, you think it's too... Well, no, if you think the Nova came out in what, 82, so... Mm. No, I was, think it your mum, was it your mum's car? Because a lot of ravers would have just borrowed their mum's car. I'm just going away camping with some friends for the weekend. Yeah, like hell you are. You're going to the biggest outdoor gathering in Bournemouth and it's Fantasia First Taste or whatever it was called and you're going to take 17 white doves and whatever <laughs> Mitsubishis and whatever other pills that they with names that are steeped in folklore and and then they come home on the Sunday night and then Monday morning questions will be asked the, the mum go Michael why does my car smell of cigarette smoke? Yes, exactly. And why is it so muddy? And why are there muddy handprints all over the back window? So, yeah. oh, well, we got it stuck in a field. What, what a camping field? field. Yeah. Oh, we, we were camping in the field. Uh, yeah. What, well, along with 30,000 gurning people? Yeah. Why, <laughs> yeah why, why, why are there bite marks in the sun visors? No yeah. Have you been gurning in my Nova? <laughs> and why are there white Walt Disney gloves in the glove box? I don't own any of those. You know, the ones, Michael, that the snooker, the person that, that arranges all the snooker balls on the snooker table. Yes. Len Ganley gloves. Yeah, those gloves. Those blooming gloves with the three pleats on the back that, that Mickey Mouse has. <laughs> oh, gosh. I have to say, I do like that era. Yeah. I like that. I, I do like that music. It was definitely something that resonated with me as a secondary schooler. Well, you should get Definitely. 
You should get a milky yellow Nova SR. I would actually like to. Maybe I would. A rave car project would be good. I think it would. I can't get that out of my head now. Anyway, oh hey, I know what I was going to ask you. I was walking the dog the other day and I heard a siren coming. And you know, it's always fine. You can't not look round at where a siren's coming from. Never. And I was surprised at what I saw. It was by a main road here in London and the car that was making the siren noise was an unmarked police car but had the blue lights going behind the grill siren coming from it yeah dark blue current shape subaru legacy really i was surprised it wasn't a doctor's car well definitely don't, doctors don't get to do blues and twos do they they're not allowed. I don't think they do. You don't get plain clothes doctor cars. I think. <laughs> doctor has is allowed. A doctor on calls allowed lights, but not a siren. I don't think. Oh, but don't they have to have? A, is it a green light? Are they allowed? Is that? it a green light? I'm just about to say. I think doctors is green. I this was a blue. Green. This was the full blues coming oh, that from is hidden locations. Lega- I know. Scooby Legacy. Now I started thinking. That's actually quite a good. I mean, actually, those recent legacies. I don't think they're that quick, are they? But they're but they're reliable. They're grippy, grippy, yeah, in all weathers. Mm. Symmetrical four wheel drive, as it were, and <laughs> um, spacious. I think big boot, all that, and spacious, but also good and anonymous. Very, very anonymous. That's that is a, a really quite a good getaway car because it's not distinct, really, is it? So my question was going to be: Is what is the weirdest unmarked police car you've ever seen? Oh my gosh, the weirdest, the weirdest unmarked police car. So I'll tell you another one. My absolute favourite that I ever saw was not long after I'd moved to London. So it was in the early two thousands, and I heard multiple sirens coming up the main road near where I lived in Highgate, and yeah. I turn round. It was, a, it was a, a convoy of three unmarked cars, all with the hidden blue lights going and the sirens going, all dark blue. Yeah, midnight blue, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're always midnight blue. It's really... Stakeout blue. Stakeout blue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is, isn't it? You know, yeah. it's a moonlit night. You've been sat there for nine hours casing a joint. Yeah, you don't want and, black because uh, that looks sort of too sinister. That's what the crims too sinister. Had. Crims have black cars, but undercover policemen, yeah. they have uh, dark blue my wife's a crim. She loves a she loves a jet black car. <laughs> um, yeah, so does mine actually. What does that say? I don't know. Well, she doesn't like cleaning the bastard thing. I can tell you that much. So the three weird unmarked cars that I saw many many years ago were, in order from my memory, a bug-eyed Scorpio. Oh, okay. A Renault Safran. Gosh, I remember those. They had a nice egg crate grill. Yes. Didn't they? Yeah, some of them. Yes, and then the third yeah. one was a Nissan Maxima. A Nissan Maxima? Okay, Nissan the, Maxima. That were badged, what were they badged in America? Um, it was a QX at some point as well, I think. It was a Maxima oh, in the US right. all the time, and we got it as a QX sometimes. They couldn't decide. Oh, that's right. Was that V6, front-wheel mm, drive? Yeah, I think so. Oh, now, gosh, I don't know if I can compete. I, I remember an Astra Belmont. Oh, well... Uh, not, not great. I'm kind of fascinated by this, because I've seen... All sorts of weird stuff. But that one stuck in my mind, mainly because I was like, you couldn't get three more depreciating cars at that point. Because they were all still current, <laughs> I think, at that in, in whatever that was, 2001, I guess. Maybe that was it. They got they got offered big-engined, undesirable cars as a fleet 
deal they were like listen nobody wants a v6 renault can you just yeah, please, please for goodness take sake, them away can you buy these last 60 but so that we don't have to drop kick them out of our out of our dealerships can you just please have them i heard a really good story the other day about there was a guy who worked at rover and he was responsible for all their government contract stuff so that meant police and any civil service and anything like that and they kind of shuffled him off into early retirement or something and he was just bored and he got in touch with an old colleague who'd moved on to Hyundai UK and said, look, you know, can you get me in for a meeting at Hyundai? Maybe I could come in and, you know, get, get some government fleet contracts for, for those guys. Went in and took the meeting and Hyundai went, well, we don't, we don't really do that sort of thing, but you're welcome to have a go. We just can't pay your salary for it because, you know, it's not something we, we have an ambition for. I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll do you commission. You get commission on any deals you do. The bloke went away, immediately landed massive deals to supply the Metropolitan Police with I-30s. Really? He absolutely bossed it, and Hyundai became quite a big player in the police thing. And as a result, this guy became Hyundai UK's single highest paid employee. He was taking more in commission alone than the managing director was being paid. Because he'd landed such a big fleet deal. Because he'd landed such a big fleet deal and because those those police deals, these were for marked cars. You remember there was a big thing where suddenly yeah. Hyundai's became like the London police cars. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, he he landed that. And they're so, because they get through, you know, they want a lot of cars. Um, yeah. They're, they're a big deal. The only unmarked police car that I keep thinking about is the one that I have been chased by, which was a Cavalier, Vauxhall Cavalier Mark Three. V6? No, I think it was two litre petrol. Yeah. But um, sorry to disappoint. Mm. I, t- to be honest, I didn't hang around to look at the badges. <laughs> I was, um, I was, I was fourteen, and we were doing something mischievous, and I had to had to get out quickly. What um, you ran off? Yeah, we did. We ran off on mass. <laughs> yeah, we we were being naughty. We were we weren't joyriding. I'm not going to say we were joyriding because that's not not true. But we were learning to drive 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 a tractor and a digger. We were learning how to do that <laughs> in, in, on private property, probably the property of the owner of the tractor and the digger. Because um, you know, I'm a country boy. That's that's one of the things that we did. We'd worked out when we were walking back from school for weeks on end. There was a new housing estate being built. Oh, that's manna from heaven for oh, kids was of a certain boys of a certain for age. teenage lads yeah. who were just I- idiots. Unsecured and, um, building site. Oh, and we'd cased it a number of times. And after about two months, we're like, right. My friend said, I know that there's. There's an there's a four wheel drive dumper truck, there's an earth mover, there's at least one tractor, and all of them have the keys left in them um, day in day out. And we're like, you've just got to you've got to get into this area where they are, and it backs on the the, the unbuilt housing estate backs onto a field, which was going to be the next phase of the development. So <clears throat> we're like, okay, and we'd we'd arranged it. I remember it was like Lord of the Flies or something. We'd arranged it over weeks, going right. We're we're, we're going to go in there, 
we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna work out our our exit point and we'll see if we can drive this that and the other and we did and the problem was is we got quite good at it we would learn to drive one of them and then put it back in exactly the place that we found it <laughs> and then the next the next day we do it like once a week and it got to the point where we just we told a few other kids at school oh never do it, that i know we made a made a grave error some grave fuck error. will spoil the party yeah yeah totally totally so what happened was, is that as the weeks went on, we got a bit cocky. In fact, at one point, I remember this was the high point. Someone had invited girls down and someone else had brought some cans of beer. Never do so either of those things. I know, I know. start it... showing off to the girls yeah. and spoil it. Because mm-hmm. they'll take it too and... far and turn over a digger or something. Oh, uh, well, the, the vehicle in question that <clears throat> ended up being the most entertaining was the four-wheel, four-wheel steering, four-wheel drive dumper truck that you know the ones that hinge in the middle oh yeah well it was one of those and the girls were in the the the, the bit where you dump the 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 big bucket on the front and we everyone was getting cocky starting to drive around the field quite fast my mate was going round and i remember it a jcb went into the middle of the field put the stilts down turned the chair around and started digging oh an God. enormous hole <laughs> I know, I laugh now, but I'm not <laughs> recommending this as a good idea to anybody. So as we, as things got cockier and cockier, I think what had happened is um, one night it all kicked off. We Everyone was, was travelling around in diggers and things, and this unmarked police car comes out of nowhere and opens the gate and comes into the field where my friends are parading around in dumper trucks, tractors diggers or whatever and amazingly i had just not long got off one of the diggers and i was stood to the side with a couple of the boys marveling at what we'd achieved as an idiotic 14 year old anyway needless to say it all just erupted i just broke into a uh, into one of those runs where your legs are a little bit too fast and they they sort of hit one another you know like a kind of scooby-doo leg run yeah an overspeed where your legs go overspeed and you're kind of like oh, i don't know don't yeah uh, and uh, and i knew that i'd have to jump across um a quite a big stream slash small river and then into there was a big area of woodland which i reckoned i could hide in I broke into this run, and while I was running away, I kept looking back to see what was going on with this police car. And my one of my mates had abandoned ship on the uh, uh, the dumper truck, and it. I think it had a hand throttle. <gasps> he jumped off it and was running away, and it just was driving in the set direction, and just kept driving. Holy shit. And as as he ran away and I ran away, I saw it go down a ditch and then come out the other side of the ditch effortlessly because, of course, it's four-wheel drive and it went through a few hedges. It went. I don't actually know where it ended up. It could still be going. Yeah, but what was brilliant, I say brilliant, I'm not endorsing any of this, is that none of us got caught. We all managed to escape. And I spent about seven hours hiding in the woods and I climbed up a tree and I sat in the trees silently for, <laughs> or for hours. <laughs> like a guilty squirrel. Like a, and then what I did is I, I was like a complete idiot. I turned my clothes inside out and then walked home a different route. And, never, and we never spoke of it again. And that was the last time we ever did 
heavy plant joyriding. Jesus. Um, That's funny, yeah. actually, because one of the two occasions when I ran off from the police, I turned my jacket inside out as some kind of subterfuge as well. But um, my story's not as good as yours. So I think this is probably quite a good time to wrap things up because we'll never top that one. Um, no, I, I know. We can't wrap things up. I want to know about your police situation. I'll tell you next week because I, what I want to do is, I've, before we before we finish, I have a couple of updates. Well, one's an update, which is, you know, I was whinging on about my 911 battery going flat. Yeah, I've checked with um, someone at Porsche, and they've said it's probably fine to leave it. Just leave it flat, and oh, it'll okay. then just stick a new battery in it. It'll probably throw up some warning lights, but don't worry, they'll go away. That was their expert opinion. So um, just have a battery conditioner, then you might not need to buy a new battery. Well, that'll be the next step. Uh, the other thing okay. is, I owe you an apology because last week I was saying with um, misplaced confidence that Jerry Halliwell is the most successful Spice Girl in solo terms, uh, <laughs> and I, I checked this because I started to have some creeping doubts that you were right. Mel C, <laughs> and just from, from everything I can gather, yeah, it's Mel C. The so. slightly whiny Mel C because she's. She's the only one that's had a serious music career. Uh, Mel B, nowhere, nowhere, musically speaking. Um, so screw her. The one with the most money is Victoria Beckham, though, because obviously she has the Beckham billions or whatever they are. So there we go. That's fascinating. Oh, um, Thank you for listening to Smith & Sniff, the podcast. If you have enjoyed this, remember we have a new one of these every Monday morning. If you would like to see us doing this, uh, we have a massive archive of video Smith & Sniff content uh, on youtube go and have a look at that we uh, we also stick the podcasts on youtube for people who want to listen to it that way um if you like the cut of this jib but you wish it was 50 percent of uh, what goes on here then check out johnny's youtube channel car pervert where there's lots of good stuff and a refreshing absence of me and if you're oh. really really bored please go to amazon and buy my latest book which is called a medium-sized book of boring car trivia it's a, over 250 really, really arcane car facts. It's a good. It's. I have to say that's amazing bit of promo, and I'm 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 very impressed. I didn't even read it off anything. That was just off the top of my head. No, I was just whoring ad lib. You promoted whoring. me, and with my solo material, uh, you promoted your book, which is fantastic. And of course, just like and subscribe everything that you can. Well, I have to say the comments from this podcast that people put in and the 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 the, the ratings, the star ratings, I have to say are really entertaining. The comments are more entertaining than the actual show. We might as well just do just, just read out comments. <laughs> just play out some white noise and then uh, yeah. and then get the comments in. Like and subscribe and like and subscribe and also like but also subscribe. And subscribe and like as well if you prefer. Good. Yes. All right. Good to talk. See you next week. Yeah, yeah, thanks Rich. Bye. Bye. 50 quid or fuck off, yeah? <laughs> imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.